Thanks for being a part of In the Trenches with Dave Lapham, brought to you by First Star Logistics, as always, coming to you from our outstanding studios, and I mean outstanding. And that title applies to our guest, Bruce Kazerski, outstanding offensive lineman for the Cincinnati Bengals for 12 seasons, could play any position in the offensive line, predominantly center, because he's very, very intelligent, quarterback of the offensive line, did a great job up front, and... Uh, performed very, very well for the Bengals Pro Bowl caliber player, in my opinion. I thought there were years where he should have been uh, elected to the Pro Bowl. Now teaching and uh, in coaching football at Holy Cross over in Northern Kentucky. But we're going to talk to Kaz about the Cincinnati Bengals season, about uh, the offensive line play, about the Super Bowl matchup with the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles. Talking football with Bruce Kazerski. Always learn something. Because Kaz is a knowledgeable football man. You're going to like what he has to say. Thanks for being part of In the Trenches with Dave Lappin, brought to you by First Star Logistics, as always, coming from our outstanding studios. And we have a guest to match. We're talking outstanding. We're talking the most versatile offensive lineman the Cincinnati Bengals have ever had. We're talking the, the, the most intelligent offensive lineman the Cincinnati Bengals have ever had. We're talking Bruce Kozerski. And, Kaz, are you at Holy Cross High School right now where you teach? I am. I'm in, my, I'm in my classroom. Yeah. Okay. Physics, calculus, and pre-calculus. That's correct. Oh, my yeah. gosh, Kaz. Man. I'll have uh, three AP classes next year. Uh, pre-calculus, calculus, and uh, physics, AP. How about that? Plus the fact that you uh, are, an, are a state champion uh, high school football coach at Holy Cross. You won the big state championship there. That, that's a heck yeah, of a We had a good run in, 19, in 2011, and then we had another good run in 2016. And so it's coming around again. It's uh, We're hoping in the next few years we'll get back and do the very similar thing. That's awesome. That's awesome. Congratulations on all that. And, and as we know, uh, you know, Pro Bowl caliber center, in my opinion, for many years with the Cincinnati Bengals, as well as other positions he could play in the offensive line and had the intelligence and the physical capacity to, to do all that. A quick question about this football team that you watched yeah. this year for the Cincinnati Bengals. What did you like most about this edition of the Cincinnati Bengals? I like most. I, I was uh, disappointed in the way that the season started, but when you – when you configure in all of the factors with the, the three new offensive linemen coming in cold, a rookie starting at left guard, and uh, a quarterback coming off of an appendectomy, uh, it was encouraging that uh, it only took two weeks to get on to get started. And by the third week, fourth week, they had it rolling. And uh, it was a really fun season to watch. I think uh, if they had stayed healthy, I, I certainly think they'd still be playing. If they haven't lost three offensive linemen, I think they'd still be playing. And uh, I mean, they did some of that without Jamar Chase for four weeks. They did some of that without T. Higgins for a few weeks. And so they had very quality backup guys that stepped in and, and filled the role. It became a next man up. And, uh, you know, you saw a lot of that in the in the uh, Buffalo game. Yep. When those three linemen played, they played exceptionally well. Didn't work out so well the next week. Different animal. Uh, defensively, very, very exciting. I mean, that, that group of guys, they just they, – they never quit. They, they always find a way to, to make plays and uh, – Keep it close. Give their coordinators a, a real pat on the back. No question. I mean, that it, it didn't really have 
like, oh, look at the number of turnovers. It wasn't necessarily the number, but it was when. It was like, oh, when you had to have a takeaway, they would come up with the son of a gun, whether it be in the fourth quarter, whether it be in the red zone. I mean, it's when their backs were against the wall, they'd come up with the big play. They'd come up with the takeaway defensively. It was it was amazing. I mean, it wasn't just like once. It was quite a few times, man. Oh, the fumble, the fumble uh, on Kelsey, yeah, in the, in the regular season game, huge. Yep, you know, just just you know, huge. The the uh, the fumble by uh, and ninety eight yard kickoff return or kickoff return, uh, fumble return yep. by Hubbard. That just that's the kind of play that kind of carried the season. Yeah, the Patriots are going into score. They fumble in the red zone. You know, I mean, yeah, and, and save that football game and like. Over and over and over again, it, it became, you know, I mean, they they didn't give up a touchdown in the fourth quarter of the first seven games of the season. You know, they they had a takeaway in like ten straight fourth quarters. Or, I mean, crazy stuff like that. It was like watching that defensive football team. Um, they were in such sync. You know, it's a, like when an offensive line is in in total sync. It's like watching three hundred plus pound three hundred plus pound June Taylor dancers. You know, it's all yeah. choreographed. That defense looked choreographed. I mean, it was like they were on a string, man. You know, it was just they were in step. You know, I think Coach Anarumo had a really good deal. He figured out real real early that that his red zone defense was better than being up the field. And and so he he played for the short field. He got in that short field situation. He gave them field goals, didn't give up touchdowns, and kept us in a lot of those football games. And I think that says a lot for his ability to, again, recognize what he has. You know, to, to have the ability to – you don't have the greatest pass rush, but you have a pass rush that's deceiving in the red zone because you can drop eight, bring people from different positions. And, uh, you know, I think that was uh, just a tremendous, tremendous asset. And knowing knowing how good you could be in the red zone is amazing. When you're in the huddle, you know, with, with a quarterback, we were both privileged to be in the huddle with guys that had MVP seasons. Mine was Super Bowl – 16, 1981, 82 season with Kenny Anderson, best team I ever played with. Um, and, and in the huddle, it was just special. It was different. Yeah. When you're in the huddle with Boomer in 88, 89, Super Bowl 23 season when he won MVP, what was it like in the huddle with Boomer Sison? Simple. Expectations. You know, we we called a play and we had a couple choices at the line of scrimmage, but we knew the play that, that was called had a better than – than average chance of being successful. And I don't mean, you know, for three or four, I mean for 10 or 15. And, you know, I, you know, we had, we had tremendous group up front with Anthony and, and Max Montoya and, and Joe Walter and Bruce Reimers, a tremendous group of, of skilled people, um, you know, and Sam just called a great game. Bruce Kyle's called a great game and Boomer just executed it. You know, we were on the same page and like I said, it was easy. It was easy. <laughs> that's that's, that's what it looked like anyway, didn't it? Yeah, I'm telling you, it looked it yeah. looked easy, and I'm, that's then you know you got something cooking when you know it's it's not complicated. It's it, let's just go out. We're better than they are. Let's go out and just execute and make sure we uh, we get it done at a high yeah, you level. You can run the ball, and they know you're running the ball. You, you could do by anything you want. Yep, that's exactly right. Exactly right. And, and, and you guys did talk about you know you hear that phrase impose the will. You know, I want to impose mm-hmm. my will on. You guys imposed your will on opponents on a weekly basis with that running game, and then that play-action game off that running game, it's like good night, Irene, man. I go back to uh, two ball games, the uh, uh, the uh, Buffalo game. Ah. 
Buffalo game, last game of the regular season, and uh, when we had eight minutes to go, got the ball, and they never saw it again, just yeah. right down the field. And, right. uh, and then the, the the playoff game against Seattle, we ran the ball for 240, and, and they knew we were going to run the ball. They knew it. You know, Joe Nash would say, stop running the ball, guys. Stop running the ball, you know. And he was the one that kept getting hurt. Remember, every third yeah. down, he'd, he'd come up oh, lane. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he he would. You guys were going uh, no huddle. You guys were up tempo, and and he was uh, he was faking hamstrings. Every third down, yeah, they had him taking a knee. Yeah, he had he had so many injuries they couldn't keep track of him, you know. <laughs> and none of them got him off the field. It was crazy. That, that trick ankle. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Ah, uh, that was classic. And and that that's what they got going now. You know, number nine, Joe Burrow. He's an MVP caliber player, and they've won. Um, you know back-to-back division titles and they've gone to the AFC championship gap back-to-back years and go to the Super Bowl one of those years I mean they have that caliber of of quarterback and and when you've got that you know you got it and you certainly don't want to lose it that's for sure well he make he makes it look easy you know he makes it look easy and, and uh uh you know when he has time there's nobody that can do it the way he can you know and he's even shown flashes of brilliance in the running game Especially the second half of the season, he'd get out of the pocket and, and pick up a first and on a third and fifteen, he gets sixteen. You know, right. recognition of that man coverage. Those linebackers turn their back to you and run. That middle's wide open. That's part of his recognition. Right, right. Yeah, that's. I mean, honestly, that uh, the the AFC Championship opportunity out out in Kansas City, they were within a whisker. I mean, they lose five games on the season. Four of the losses are by a field goal. Then up in Cleveland, you know, have the nightmare up there on Monday Night Football, but that was the worst game of the year for the for the team. But I mean, literally, they're in every single football game up until the gun, and and just uh, you know, I I don't think that's going to go away. I think that competitive spirit is something that, I mean, the team is never it's never the same from one year to the next. It's it's like you know, personnel is going to change. And now you're you're in the coaching world, cause I mean, uh, Zach Taylor had the same coordinators his offensive, defensive, special teams coordinator for all four years of his head coaching stint at this point in time. Lou Anarumo is a finalist for the Arizona Cardinals job. Uh, Brian Callahan looks like he's a finalist with the Indianapolis Colts. Dan Pitcher is, is interviewing in person down in Tampa Bay for uh, offensive coordinator job down there. It's like they not only want to get your players as part of that, they want to raid the coaching staff when you've had success. Everybody wants a piece of that success. How tough is it to maintain that consistency and continuity? Well, you get a recognition of talent. You know, you put those guys on the staff, and, and the, the staff got infinitely better. Therefore, the the team started to function better. A lot of it's that your your game preparation and and what you know about your opponents that comes from the expertise of your coaching staff. So it's natural that on a winning team, you're going to get guys uh, being recruited to coach other football teams. Uh, so we we got to find replacements. The, the difference is we know what we have physically to go on the field, right? Those guys that are playing have to have to play up to their expectations and rely on the knowledge that they've learned. These guys are going to be gone. But I remember Jim McNair left Cincinnati, and what he left here in Cincinnati was Anthony Munoz and Bruce, Bruce Kazersky and Bruce Reimers. And he left Joe Walter here. You know, he left all those guys with all of his – I think, I think Anthony was gone already. He left all those guys with all of his knowledge and all of his years experience. And, and we can rely on that, our training. We can rely on, on how we view the ball game as it's progressing. 
we can make sudden changes in the middle of a series instead of waiting to get onto the bench or even to wait till halftime. We can make recommendations. Uh, our, our issue after uh, Sam left was that we got Dave Shula, and that didn't work out so well. Uh, <laughs> right. I think there's a huge drop-off in, in, in the level of talent that came in in that staff versus the one that came in that was with Sam. And so, again, that puts the players in a bad situation because uh, they're not getting the tools to survive. That's a tough, tough business. No question. And you made a great point. The one thing that uh, every coach that I talk to with the Bengals uh, organization, they talk about the open line of communication between players and coaches in terms of, like you said, the instantaneous adjustment coming off the field to the sideline. The coaches trust what the players see and are telling them. And the players, uh, it, it's a two-way street. The trust and respect, it's a two-way street. And when you have that dynamic going and you can make those kind of changes and adjustments instantaneously, man, the sky's the limit, isn't it? Yeah, a lot of times, a lot of times, you know, younger guys come off and they CYOA, they 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 tell they tell them what they thought they saw or what they they hope the coach sees, but the camera doesn't lie. And so right. you learn right away, just just tell them what really happened. I screwed it up. I, Wrong step, wrong footwork, run it again, I'll get it right. Or, or uh, you know, they ran this defense. Show them what you saw and believe in what you saw. Do what, you, do what you're supposed to do and you'll get it right next time. So the number of offensive linemen that the Bengals had to uh, had to utilize, like you said, uh, you know, <clears throat> the Bengals offensive line, they were injured at the beginning of, of you know, training camp. Um, Kappa had, you know, a, an abdominal injury. Uh, LC had the, had the knee, knee issue and, um, actually the knee issue is what cost him the rest of the season, but he had a back problem at the beginning of the season training camp. So, I mean, your right guard and your right tackle aren't there. Karras isn't working with the right guard, but he's working with the left guard, you know, the net, and he's a rookie. So he's trying to indoctrinate him. So like you said, all, as a result of all that, get off to a little bit of a staggering start, but then find their rhythm and everybody starts to get through the training camp part of it as yeah. such, you know, uh, and and they and they and they find their form a little bit, and then you lose three guys to injury. I mean, you're you're down three or five starters at a real important time down the stretch of the regular season and into the playoffs. That's a that's a tough dynamic for anybody. And it's also it's also the toughest part of the of coaching. You know, you have to get your guys ready to play, but you, you can't put them in position to get hurt because if they get hurt, you're right back to the drawing board with a new guy in there. And so that that's the hard balance. You know. You think about that the way that season progressed. If that Kansas City playoff game is in Cincinnati, I don't think it's a contest. I think we yeah. won the game going away. So, you know, you take those those first two games that we lost and by a field goal, uh, and and you wonder what could happen had we gotten off to that little bit better start if Joe hadn't had the appendectomy. How rare is that? You know, how, how, how does – you know, what happens if those three linemen get a few more snaps in the preseason? Maybe they're a little prepared, better prepared and – uh, we make those extra points. If you don't lose a long snapper, you know, right. all, all of the, the the little things that happen. What if you have a, a backup long snapper hanging in a weed someplace, you know? You did it. I did it. Right. Yeah. There's, there's, uh, a, there's a caution for that. You got to make sure you got somebody capable. Right. With with the uh, with the group, and, and now if everybody – this is obviously contingent on everybody coming back 100% healthy – and uh, I'm not sure once you're in the league for X number of years, 
the 100% changes every year. <laughs> you know, that, that 100%, it's that bar doesn't stay the same. My new I actually, walked, I actually walked in the building. That was healthy. Yeah, exactly. That's my 100%. Can I get up and out of my car and walk into the building yeah. every morning? That's <laughs> that's going to be uh, my 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 uh, my bar, my ceiling. Uh, do you, what do you think about this offensive line? Do you like the the group? I, I like them a lot. Um, I was really uh, struggling with uh, a little bit with Williams at left tackle. I know he struggled a lot. I don't know that he got better as the season went on, which we'd all hoped. Um, I think there's room for improvement. Uh, Collins came a long way. Again, at the beginning of the season, he had a nightmare. Uh, came a long way. And then, of course, he got hurt. And he saw, you saw how, how, how much he was missed in the, in the Kansas City game because we beat Kansas City with him there. Although I think those guys that came in really did a pretty good job for, uh, for not playing all season long in those roles. It's obviously easier for those guys to come off the bench and run block. You know, when you yep. when you have to pass the that's when that's when you find out a, a guy's weakness. Those guys are born and bred road graders. They're they're going to come off the line of scrimmage and knock you knock you off the ball. I mean, I think that's what comes out of college every year. But the uh, the pass blocking is something in the NFL that's head and shoulders above any level you've ever played at, and that's where they were behind. Yeah, I mean, you you were you had you were exposed to Jim McNally, you know, one of the great uh, line coaches in the history of the National Football League, and um, you know his his techniques. Um, they they were the repetition of his techniques over and over and over again. It was, you know, now Frank Pollock is a Jim McNally disciple. Techniques master the mundane. Do you like the direction that uh, that the evolution of that with Frank Pollock as an offensive? I think, I think he's done a masterful job. Considering what we had here for, pardon the expression, but for 23 years, I think he's done a masterful job. I don't know that you can go back and, and discuss offensive line play uh, following the Jim McNally era as anything uh, anything less than undercoached, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know I know the guy who did it for a long time, and, and uh, it, it's – it's not professional uh, coaching. These guys were brought in from great programs in college as high draft picks, and really uh, very few of them ever materialized as players. When my group, I was just with them over the weekend at the the uh, the Elder Stag. I was with uh, Joe Walter and Bruce Reimers and and, and guys like that. And and uh, you know, Bruce was an eighth round pick. I was a ninth round pick. Joe was a sixth round pick. Right. Max Montoya was a seventh round pick. Uh, and then, of course, Anthony was the fluke. He was the first round pick. That turned out to be pretty good, I guess. Yeah, you know, it's this crazy. You know, it was crazy. Yeah. But there's there's players all the way down. You don't have to be that high if you're coached, you know, if you're coached properly. And and uh, I just feel for for the longest time, I would sit in my my stadium seats at the, at the, at the end zone and watch the offensive line play and just wonder who, who was coaching these guys. You know, it had to be giving you a nightmare as well, Dave, because you, you you've seen some great offensive line play. You were part of some great offensive line play. You don't win ball games without offensive line play. That's a, that's at least adequate. You know, right? No question. Well, and the Bengals now have a center like yourself, extremely intelligent, uh, competitive, will finish. I mean, that was something you you would finish, man. You'd finish like crazy, and and Ted Karras. Does the same thing, and 
he kind of sets the tempo. I mean, um, there's a lot of MIPs, most important players, you know, yeah. that you can throw in, into a, into that category. I think he's he's way up there. He's a very, very important player. I think he's unsung. I think he could be, you know, the unsung hero kind of guy uh, for your football team. He's done a he's done a hell of a job at that center position um, in terms of quarterbacking the offensive line, bringing along the young rookie next to him in Volson. Did a, did a great job there. Volson thinks the world of him and of, of Karras. So they're they're in good shape at the center position, aren't they? I agree. I agree. Uh, you know, the, the 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 lines of communication all go through the center to the, to the offensive, to the uh, center, the quarterback to the center, to the everybody else. Yep. And that's where it goes. What's up happening on the right, I got to tell the guys on the left. What's happening on the left, I got to tell the guys on the right. Make all those calls. It all starts from there. And uh, he, he's a great one, I think. Uh, but you're never going to find an offensive lineman being the most valuable guy. You know, most unsung, but, maybe, but not the most valuable. Right, right. Imp that's why I'm thinking important, you know, like he got, got a level of importance there, but like you say, nah, you can't, you can't, <laughs> nah. those, can't yeah, those still people. doesn't have quarterback after his name. It's not, no. not going to get that recognition. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. So what do you think the biggest, uh, the, the biggest need on this football team is, what do you think the, the foot, what, what area do you think needs some, some beefing up in terms of taking it even to another level? Whew. Uh, I tell you what, the the the, the, the secondary uh, took a big blow when Ouzier got hurt. Um, they can use some insurance there. Obviously, every team changes because of who they can sign and who they can't sign. Right. And so, ask me that same question after all the signings are over, and, and I'll and I'll give you my other opinion. You know, but for right, right now, where's the money going to come from to sign all these guys? Because they got to get some really good players under contract and they got to do it soon before they disappear. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at uh free agent list here. You know, I see four defensive backs. I see Hayden Hurst at the tight end position. I see Bates, Bell, Apple, Flowers, Samaje P. Ryan, uh, Drew Sample. Uh, let's see. Uh, Max Sharping is the, is the offensive lineman that's on this list. There aren't any other offensive linemen on the list besides uh, Sharping. He signed a one-year deal, you know, kind of prove it type deal. Um, so do you think they go out in free agency or the draft and, and, uh, and try to add to, uh, what they've got talent wise? Yeah, I think they're going to, they got to do their very best to sign a lot of that talent, but then they, they're going to have to go shopping because they know they're not going to be able to get everybody. They're right. going to sign a bunch of guys to one year contracts like Sharping. So they don't get tied in long-term with guys who are not going to be effective. Uh, and so who do you pick up, Dave? You pick up guys who have exhausted their they're good years someplace else and bring them in. You know, uh, uh, Bill Belichick used to say, I'd rather get rid of you one year too early than one year too late. Right. Do you, you sign that guy who, he, who he's getting rid of uh, a, a year too or late or a year too early? Um, you're looking for the two-year fixes. Uh, for years and years and years, we went and, and, and signed all those college guys with no experience to come off the bench if somebody were to be hurt. And it cost us year in and year out, Right. The, the best thing they've done lately is hold on to some of those guys that have experience, Sharping, for instance, that have experience and step in and play. Eli Apple, not the greatest corner, but you know he's got a lot of experience, got a lot of savvy, and so he gets beat on one, he's not gonna he's not gonna hang his head. And and uh, you know I think that's the, the difference. He's got guys who who uh, are professionals. If you wanted to sit look at it that way, you look at the the Reds sign, signing a base a guy that that is a professional hitter. 
you can you can watch not know the first thing about baseball but know that this guy's a professional hitter and this guy is just swinging at the ball right, right. that's kind right. of the same thing happens in the nfl do you want a guy who you know it can play the game maybe not at the highest level but you know what you're going to get or do you want the unknown factor that's the scary part is that unknown factor when a guy gets hurt you put that unknown factor in there is joe looking at that left guard <laughs> instead of looking downfield i don't know right right you know, it hurts with a heck of an addition. Yeah. You know, no doubt. They rented him. <laughs> you know, you, you look at it too up front in the offensive line that we're talking about. You have a fourth round pick at the left guard position who looks like a keeper. He's going to be around oh, yeah. a long time. No question yeah. about it. Uh, Jackson Carmen goes to left tackle, a, a position he played in high school and college. Man, he's got length. He's got strength. He's got power. He's got athleticism. He's got foot, feet. You know, I mean, sometimes his feet are too good. You know, at some point in time, you get a you know, get that foot in the ground and hunker down. But but I think he showed that he's got some potential. He was a second-round pick with the Bengals. And then they, uh, Sharping was a second-round pick by the Houston Texans. They go out and get him off of, uh, as, you know, off of the waiver wire or free agent. I mean, it's it's like they had guys that could play, and they were there the whole year. It wasn't a guy they picked up off the street like two weeks and said, all right, you got to go in there now at the end of the season and, and and fill in. They were there the whole year with Frank Pollock, understanding all of his techniques, going through all the repetition, all that. That's got to be super valuable, right? Yeah, absolutely. Right from the start, you know, if you're going to play in the upper echelon of teams, which where they are right now, they got to make sure that they keep the shelf full. They can't open the cabinet door and look for an offensive lineman and, you know, and not find one. They got to be able to find somebody with experience that's not going to, Pardon the expression, but crap down their leg when they get on the, you know, when they get in the game against uh, Jones right. from, from Kansas City. Right. You know? Yeah. Game record there. Let's 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 talk a little bit about uh, about the Super Bowl. Um, Kansas City Chiefs, Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, two best teams in the NFL. They have they have the same record right now. They're both sixteen and three. They both have scored the exact same number of points to the point at this at this juncture regular season and postseason. Their point differential is only six points difference between points scored and points allowed. Uh, that that number is only six points separating the two of them. I mean, uh, they have the same number of pro bowlers. They both have uh, black quarterbacks that have an injury, you know, a shoulder and a and a high ankle sprain. I mean, it, it's it the, the commonalities are unbelievable in this football game, and it, it sets up as being – Man, maybe a hell of a game, and sometimes those don't live up to billing. What do you think we're going to see? Uh, I'm comparing. I think that uh, the AFC was a much more difficult schedule for for Kansas City to weave their way through. Uh, I think that the, the the Eagles' offense is significantly more complicated to defend, and and I worry about that. I think the offensive line for the Eagles is tough. Yeah, and so I think the matchups can be much better in, in the Eagles' favor than. Then when we made our substitutions, I think we're in for a great ball game, and and the outcome who who makes that one big play? Patrick Mahomes is is prone to make that big play, but now here's this rookie, the young guy from the other team, making just as big a plays, but he's going to go do it with his legs as well. Right. So I think we're in for a great ball game. I'm I'm going to pick I'm going to pick uh, uh, Kansas City because of Mahomes. <sighs> yeah, I do. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, I saw I saw Grandma Kelsey on or Mama Kelsey on the news this morning. You know, <laughs> she I know she really doesn't care who wins, but you know, 
I tell you, it's 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 crazy. The the uh, Kansas City Chiefs uh, lead the league in touchdowns scored, but only two behind at, in second place, the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, both these teams are scoring machines. Kansas City is number one in the league in touchdown passes. The Eagles number one in the league, 32 rushing touchdowns. How about that? 32 rushing touchdowns. The way they dismantled that 49er defense was amazing. That's why you can't count them out. That, that, that offense is so difficult to defend because of all of the reads that he's making. He's he's handing it, then he's pulling it, and then he's throwing it, and he's running it. You right. never know what that guy is. As long as he stays healthy, they get a legitimate chance to be good for a long time. Yeah, and I and I think the interesting thing, the health of the quarterback, which, which quarterback's going to be able to play through his injury most efficiently on Sunday? Is it going to be the – the shoulder problem problem that Hertz has, or the high ankle sprain that Mahomes has. I mean, well, it, yeah. the ankle sprain is going to slow Mahomes' running game down. That it won't slow Hertz down. He's going right. to run that ball. You know, he will. He will. He will. Yeah, but it, it it won't it won't uh, it won't slow Mahomes' throwing arm down. down. It might no. slow, might slow Hertz down a little bit. It's yeah. going to be it's going to be crazy. I, I think I think too. The Kansas City Chiefs interior offensive line, I think, is really good. You know, center and guards are really good. I think across the Philadelphia Eagles, man, those guys are beasts up front. They, they, their offensive defensive line. Cause how about the Philadelphia Eagles have seventy-eight quarterback sacks counting? They had seventy in the regular season, eight so far in two playoff games, and they're closing in on the Chicago Bears' eighty-two sacks, the all-time record. I didn't think think anybody was going to sniff that. They got. They have four different players that finished the regular season in the top 14 sacks. They have four guys, 11 sacks or more. Four different guys, 11 sacks or more. And then they had another one with seven. Now he's got eight, and the others have 12. I mean, they got, they had 56 sacks from five different players during the regular season. It's like, who do you double? You can't you double can that. You can play a lot of coverage, man. You can Ooh. play a lot of coverage where you can get that kind of pressure. You I, I hope Mahomes is not a sitting duck. And as I said, I think that uh, Eagles offense is so difficult. It's rare. It's it's difficult to defend because you never know where the ball's going. And as soon as you pull a safety up to stop the running game, man, he's throwing the ball over your head. And, and that's why I'm thinking Lou Anarumo was rushing three and dropping eight and changing coverages up. If the Eagles do a good job of changing coverages up in Mahomes and they rush four and there are four beasts that all have 12 sacks or more <laughs> coming into the game, I wonder. I wonder if Mahomes is going to be able to survive it, you know, with that high ankle sprain. Yeah, I wonder which if- way do you send your center? Are you going to send him to the right? As soon as you send him to the right, they bring the extra guy off the left. Yep, yep. And and to your point, they did a masterful job uh, against the Bengals with Chris Jones. You know, they'd line Chris Jones up, and then they the four down linemen in the backer, the, the, the five-person yeah. responsibility for the O-line, and they they just move the linebacker a little bit to the center's left, away from Chris Jones. Have to respect him until he drops. You don't know if he's blitzing. So now, by the time you come back to help with Jones, he split you. He's he, yeah. he's quick as hell, and he split those two guys. You know, I'm like, man, Spagnuolo, that's just that's smart. Just just offset him a little bit, and thinking, oh, is he going to blitz? Is he going to like work with that D tackle? And you got to respect the darn thing, especially with a guy with with an edge like he had from missing those two sacks last year in the playoff game. No doubt. How about how about he goes into the into this playoff game against the Bengals? No sacks in his career in the playoffs. No sacks. And it's like, what? And he got two. <laughs> and you're right. He missed two last year. It's yeah. not like he wasn't in position for any, but he, right. didn't, he didn't accumulate any, you know? That was crazy. 
Kyle, so you're you're picking the you're picking the Chiefs in a close Super Bowl. Huh? I'm picking the Chiefs by I mean, in a close one, but I would not be surprised if the Eagles came in and, and put a thumping on them either. And I think it's it's a one way score with the Eagles, or it's a nail biter and, and Mahomes pulls it out. That's that's my opinion on that. Man, how about how about uh, Frank Pollock and the uh, Bengals offensive line getting ready for this defensive front of the Philadelphia? Eagles, if in fact the Bengals had beaten the Chiefs, with all these injuries up front, man, you better hope some guys get get healthy, and you you, you might have to keep ten off ten offensive linemen on your roster. <laughs> you might have to uh, subpoena the league if you can play eight offensive linemen instead of five. Man. Maybe you should play eight man football. Right, exactly. Cause I can't thank you enough. This was great, very enjoyable. You are the man, and uh, I'll tell you, I can't think of a more honorable. Uh, profession in what you're doing teaching kids high level academics and coaching football and and are you still doing some wrestling coaching as well no yeah, wrestling program ended here when the when the the head coach passed away oh yeah he had a heart attack on our front steps and uh, he didn't make it so oh, we, we ended the program but yeah. uh dave i appreciate it i gotta get my calculus kids out of the hallway they're standing out there staring through the window <laughs> Oh, go teach him some high-level calculus, cause you're the best. Thank you, brother. Take care. Thank you. Dave Lapham here, and every day I am grateful for my experience to have played professional football. As a player, I realize self-motivation, leadership, and appreciating your teammates are key. At First Star Logistics, you can use those same attributes to create the life you want for you and your family. Build your future by working hard like I did. You'll see results both on and off the field. Call First Star Logistics today and be part of our winning team.